0: Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. and want to give a very warm welcome to filmmaker and director Justin Perser of Olio Creative. Justin has a tremendous background in writing music video treatments for such artists as Beyonce, Shakira, and Pink, and has also directed music videos for major record labels, including Interscope, Warner Brothers, Capital, Apple Music, and Sony, amongst so many others, for a wide range of A-list talent. Justin was one of the original creators and directors of Maker Studios that pioneered the multi-channel network YouTube-centric companies of today, where he helped create the model of how brands advertise, utilizing YouTube and influencers. One of his brand-sponsored videos with Cosmopolitan Magazine and Nivea took number one on the Ad Age viral charts, beating out top brands such as Nike, Pepsi, and Toyota. Recently, he directed the feature documentary and Two Sea*, narrated by Daniel Tosh. Today, we're going to talk about successful brand integrations with music videos and influencers. We'll learn what has worked from Justin's experience, what could be avoided, and where other brands and filmmakers are missing the mark. Justin, welcome. Thank you again. You did a great job. And the reason I wanted to have you on this podcast is because now it's just you.
1: Yeah, just me. You don't have to share it. To it's share. all you. I can talk about myself as much as I want.
0: You can. Yes. You have much as you'd
1: like to talk about yourself. Olio yeah
0: okay and is that yours or do you work there or is
1: that yeah so that's funny because Olio I I'm a I own a part of it I'm a part okay. of it, I own a piece Perfect. Of it. It's, um, it's a post house we started about a little over a year ago with a, a friend of mine a colorist who Marshall Plan who's colored colored all my work and like I've known mm-hmm. him forever since he was an assistant with for Bolion at the syndicate and like so he uh he wanted to start his own company so he reached out to me about helping him like do some like 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 social marketing and like trolling and stuff like that and uh and and then I just called him back about an hour later and was like you know what like instead of just helping you like why don't like I'd like to own a piece of it um because I feel like we're in like I feel like we're in a renaissance period right now where like whereas 10 years ago you were pigeon to you were a director you were a writer you were a a, a stylist you were you did VF, vfx and you could only do these things and you couldn't do anything else or people thought it was weird like if you were a a director, you couldn't be like a photographer too, or I mean, you could do that, but you couldn't do like there's certain things you couldn't cross over into. Um, but now, not even just entertainment, I feel like across the board of everything, like you're seeing people do things that they're not not ever in their field and having success in it, and it's and no one thinks it's weird. You know, I, I always use Jessica Alba as an example. Like, if you would have said 15 years ago that she would own this company that makes, you know natural diapers and like shampoos and stuff like that and like it'd be this like almost billion dollar company and she would be like the, the one of the, the owners and, and the people that started it people would have been like she's an actress who's like you know in, in these like you know in sin city like no like you know but she does and yet she could still go act too and no one ever questions back and forth so so for me with Olio, it was like yeah it's, it might be weird for a director to own part of a post house because obviously that's where other directors are coming in you know and it, it could be conflict ventures but I I got to the point where like I have no I don't know I don't really have an ego I don't care I don't like I'm I'm happy when other directors make good stuff and like I I when we opened Olio I reached out to every director friend I know and was like hey bring your work here we'll make it work we'll make it work you know for color for post whatever so um so that's and and it was sort of like my maker studios redemption because I we feel like the post world's gotten so um especially color color grade color grade went from you know oh you had to go telecine then when it, everything went digital everyone's like you don't even need a color artist you can just do it yourself in premiere you know you can do it in final cut you don't really need to go do it now it's bad. but everyone finally realized like wait those th- slapping a filter on does not work like you need not only necessarily the equipment but you need the talent just the, you need the artist and so you know Marshall's great like amazing talent you know so um but we feel like the business itself got kind of stagnant especially in commercials and music videos like the model and the, the environment in which you, you work in, it's like these very like modern Ikea furniture places, whatever. So we like, my idea was like, let's sort of like, let's sort of like, uh, you know, kind of re reinvent, recreate how the post world works a little bit, especially in the color model. And let's, um you know, let's have some fun. Let's, 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 let's be disruptive. if That's such the, the keyword du jour nowadays. Um, but I was like, let's, you know, I feel like there's an easy target. I feel like we could do it. So we um that's kind of where we opened. That's what we that's where we started, and that's what we've been uh, focused on the whole time.
0: That's awesome. So how did you you know get involved, Justin, in in production? Was this your passion? I know I think I read that you were doing a lot of surfing videos when you were growing up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I grew up in Florida, and um, I grew up um, surfing as a child, as a kid, and then my friends who I surfed with ended up becoming some of the greatest surfers in the world and um even one of them that i was older a little bit older than me that i um grew up around is pretty much the greatest surfer of all time and what happened was is my parents bought a video went to japan and my dad on a business trip and he bought this sony handycam and um at the time like nobody um had video cameras so it was this camera that wasn't in america or whatever so i i just i was like oh that's cool i like it so i started just filming my friend surfing And at the time, this was way before iPhone and everything, you know, like, so there wasn't a lot of cameras. So the fact that I could do that and we could go watch it was like blew people's minds. And it was like the quality of the, you know, that it was, we could just turn it on, plug it in, you know, to the TV. So, um, so I started just doing that. I started doing that more and more and more. And then as my friends got really, really good and started becoming, you know, these, these amazing surfers, um, I started just, that's what I started doing. I just loved filming them. I just, and I fell in love with it. Um. And I never obviously could even reach the level that they were at. So I was like, this just makes sense. So I started doing that. And then, um, yeah, like straight off, you know, really young, like started making surf movies. You know, and I started traveling with, with them and, and shooting them and, you know, around the world. And then and then I just, I did that, I started doing that really young. And then I I went to film school and then in Orlando and then graduated and came back right to like making more surf movies. Um so, I mean, I, I interned on, like, the Steven Spielberg show and for the same TV show a bit, but I just went back to what I knew. I just had more knowledge, I guess. Um, like, But anyways, um, it just, but, you know, after a while, it just, as I got older, it just kind of, like, it just didn't feel that creative anymore, and I wanted to do something different. So, um, I'll never forget, I was sitting in my living room in Florida. I just got back from this, I'd gone on this surfing magazine trip to Barbados, and I just, I hated it. I just was, like, i so sick of lugging camera gear in and out of foreign countries, and then you know, if you're the, if you're the guy filming, you're on the beach when it's like, it's really hot, you know, you're not out in the water. It's like, you're sweating and everyone else is out getting really good waves. And you're just standing there, like filming them. And like, I remember thinking, I was like, I got to do something different. I can't do this anymore. I'm burnt out. I want to try something different. And I'll never forget. um, Brittany Spears, baby one more time came on MTV. And I just was like, I was eating my breakfast, my cereal, and I just like stared at it. And I was like, I don't know what this is and I don't know how it works or how you do it, but that's what I want to do. (laughs) So I just like had like an epiphany. And then from there, just sold my stuff, moved out to California, stayed with people I knew down in uh, Newport beach and then came up to LA every day and just like handed my rep, went to production companies and handed my resume out and just like, you know, basically started from the bottom again. Like, how do I like, you know, just how do I get in this world? I don't even, I don't know what it is or how it works, but I know, these are the companies I've researched online that, um, that do music videos. And these are the ones that I, you know, so I just basically went there and then I went into happening was there was an organization called the MVPA, which was, um, the music video productionist, music video production association, sort of like, um, the, the AICP of, of music videos. Um, so I had emailed them, I'd emailed them and told them, Hey, I'd, you know what I wanted to do. And, um, one of the ladies there emailed me back. And so I went, she just let me come in and meet with her really nice. And then, uh, I ended up, she was wearing like a Hurley shirt. And I was like, oh, do you like Hurley? She's like, oh, I love it. So like I went, I like left and I went and called Bob Hurley. And I was like, hey, Bob, can I come get some women's clothes and give it to this person? But <laughs> so, so, so Bob let me come to his warehouse and like, because I've known him since I was a kid, he used to pay for me to travel for surf videos. Like, so i got a box of clothes and then brought it to her. And she was so happy. And she she like helped me, like, she like introduced me to the executive producers. and Like, oh, you should hire this guy. And so I, you know, I, I started off at the bottom. I like, I PA'd one Video, and then I um became an executive assistant, and then I just sort of like got to learn what a music video was, how it works what um you know what what's the dynamic like who does what you know what does a producer do what does a director do? what does the d p do you know what do all these people do on these music videos you know how do, how does it work with a record label how does it work with an artist like how does this all happen so from the perspective I was at, I got to see it all and and I, and I thought I wanted to be a director, but I wasn't totally sure that that's, I could even do it. I'm like, I don't even know if I could do this. How, how does this work? So, um, but luckily I got to be on set and learn from some of these, you know, some of the greatest music video directors ever um, and be around them. And was, as the more I got to learn and the more I got to watch and the more I got to understand it, I was like, okay, yeah, I think I can do this. And my my role grew, and my position grew. And I started working with um, directors, started writing treatments for a lot of them, um, which was, you know, being a part of that process was interesting because it's you learn how what has to fit into a budget, you know, like what you can do for this amount of money. And, you know, like, and and, and also, you know, takes the artist's ideas. And then also then I think when I started writing treatments is kind of right when branding um, and videos started to come into ta- into play like Motorola and like a lot of like, you know, some of the like, you know, like like uh, P. Diddy's vodka and like people like that, like yeah. things are, they started putting, brands started putting money up to be in music video. So then it was like, Okay, we can do this video, but you have to write a car into it because Jeep is offering, you know, an extra 50k towards the budget if there's a Jeep somewhere in it. But the artist doesn't want to drive the Jeep, so how do we put the Jeep in? So then, you know, it's basically just like it becomes Tetris. Um, so, but that's that's how I got started, and that's, and then from there I just, um, I, you know, I I uh, I went on and um and and became a director myself. So
0: that's great. Yeah. And you have done some phenomenal music videos, including one with Beyonce that you were instrumental in, I believe, for uh, making it happen.
1: Yeah, that was, that's, I didn't direct that. That was Jake mm-hmm. Nama. Okay. Um, that, that was um, Single Ladies. That was basically, that That was an, when I was writing treatments for Jake, with Jake mm-hmm. like that, the the brief came in that he, he did a bunch of Beyonce videos. And the brief came in that, um, there was two videos if I were a boy and um um uh single ladies and single ladies was like the throw-in video they were just gonna they want to shoot them back to back both black and white and it was sort of like let's just get single ladies knocked out too because you know this will be just it'll be easy because she's available and we'll just knock it out in New York at the same time but Beyonce just wants like a simple dance video that's all she wants to do is dance and so but Jake of course being an artist and a director he wanted to do something a little different not just you know film her on a stage dancing so he um you know, it was telling me, he's like, I don't know what to do, I, you know, w- what can we come up with, and I had showed him this video, like, a couple, um, like, like a w- couple weeks ago, about a ref- prior, um, and it was this hip-hop song called Walk It Out, and someone had taken a Bob Fosse dance routine, and they had put the do- the Bob Fosse from the 60s dance routine with the, the girls with the beehive hair, mm-hmm. um, and they had put this hip-hop song, Walk It Out, they had, put it under the the girls dancing and it, and it worked and it was it looked like it was it honestly looked like that bob Fosse choreographed these women to this song mm-hmm. um so um i showed i showed jake that and he was like what was that video you showed me and i was like oh yeah and then i pulled it up again and i watched it We're on the phone i'm like and i'm like oh yeah this is perfect and he was like here send it to me so i sent it to him he sent it to beyonce it's like let's do this and then you know n- next thing you know like she, she did it basically recreated that video you know the bob Fosse even the little there's like a little ramp on the side of the psych and you can see her go up and down and to the t that was the bob Fosse and then that video just went up you know obviously went on to just be like probably one of the first like viral phenomenon videos that just mm-hmm. like took off i don't know then you know nobody nobody especially from the time of it being shot you know everyone it, looked, it was a great video but no one ever thought this thing's going to be what it became you know it just went Went massive, um, you know, and, and so and then that being like the throw in video, you know, and then it just it just became iconic and just, you know, so that was, uh, that was, that's kind of led me to be a director because that was like, I felt like, okay, this is my chance to jump because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people, the record labels, like it got word that like, oh, you know, Justin had a, that's a video that Justin had found and then they kind of just recreated it and it also became um, like, kind of like my interest in YouTube because it was like, wow, a lot of the reason that video took off in the beginning is people recognized that that was the, the Bob Fosse ma- uh, mash it up video that had been on YouTube. People recognized that. So they um, You have a cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they- wait,
0: my dog may like bark back at your cat. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so long story short, they, you know, that video started to take off because people were in the comments were like, Oh, this is this is the walk it out video that she remade or whatever. So that kind of gave it its first like initial push. And then once it got its that push, then it just took off. So, um, yeah.
0: And so you mentioned a minute ago, you know, part of what you were learning and you were watching when you were uh, learning all about music videos mm-hmm. and how they were created is watching how brands got involved in them. Mm-hmm. And that artists don't necessarily always want to deal with the brand that's there to help pay for the music video. Yeah. shockingly surprise right there yeah uh, and that you'll have to do tetris and be really creative uh, are there certain brands that you think lend themselves better to music videos
1: and other types of brands i think nowadays it could almost be any brand but depending on the artist and what the artist is willing to do i mean you could you know you could tailor the video to the brand and make it you know because the, the rules of music videos are, are I mean, they're still there, but you know, people do some some things now that aren't really even what you know traditional music video would be. So there's all kinds of things you could do. I think it just depends on how creative you are, how creative you you can get, and how willing the artist is to um, to be open to it. But it is all it's always a. I mean, I've I remember even my my own as a director, like you know, like Pepsi's going to put in X amount of money. The artist doesn't like the. They don't like what Pepsi wants to do, but Pepsi wants them to do this. You know what else? And then you just spend hours rocking your brain, and then you pitch these ideas. And they're like, no, that she won't do that. She won't do that. Like you know. And then Pepsi's like, well, and then but she will do this. And then Pepsi's like, no, that's not good enough for us for this money. And then you know. And then sometimes it just it just it's like almost like a it's almost like a hostage negotiation. It just goes and the money gets taken off. Now it's like okay, now we have less money, but now we have the same idea. We just don't have that extra element. So now what do we do? Because now we can't make it work. So, um, you know, so I I don't know. I think it's just, I I think it's, you know, obviously there's been some organic, you know, brands, of course, like, you know, obviously like in hip hop, if there's some sort of vodka, you know, not vodka, but um, alcohol brand that can work if that's what they want. If they want a club scene, which is pretty standard, you know, like obviously high end cars do well, like in like, um, you know videos but then again nowadays like with indie artists and stuff like I don't know like it's like everything's become so real everything's it's funny YouTube came in and these, pe- these people who these real life people who um who just were just regular people they influenced the whole zeitgeist where now it's like you know they drove a Toyota you know Prius and now like some music artists are like I don't care if it's a Toyota Prius like I drive that anyways like you know I'm not trying to like look like I'm like rich and famous I'm just trying to be like everybody else so and honestly that's what we learned during that period was that's more, um, appealing in a way. Um, a lot of people will, it's more relatable. They're like, oh, wait, that the person in this video is driving, a you know, a a Toyota Prius. That's what I drive. I, I like them, you know, so um,
0: versus the Bentley or Ferrari or Maserati, which everyone for so many years wanted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you want it, but I don't know. So I think there became like this. So I think the, you know, music videos, especially like, you know, there's, it's just, it's just such a, it just, it really just depends, artist, um, song, and then, and then brand, but yeah, I mean, of course, you know, obviously, like, headphones, or if there's like guitar, you know, brand, obviously, stuff like that's easy, you know, um, but as far as, like, you know, your off brands, like, you know, yeah, like a Pepsi, or like a, I don't even know, like a, I don't, like, milk, or something, I don't know, you know, there's, you get some strange, I'm sure you know, there's sometimes, there's some strange brands that, like, they want to get in the mix and you're like, this is going to be really hard cause it's such an off, like it's not a, it's not an easy fit. It's not just like, yeah, we can throw headphones on this guy, you know? Yeah.
0: There's like apps, you know, a lot of apps mm-hmm. are interested in music videos, especially those trying to hit that tween teen oh, very yeah. young, well, millennial. That comes yeah. in a lot. Yeah. Um, you see clothing, you know, you know, clothing can be great if it's branded. Yeah. When it's not branded. It's really hard to tell what it is. Eyewear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the clothing's tough because yeah, if it's, you're not really allowed to, you know, logos are not supposed to be shown. I mean, that, that rule's obviously changed since MTV's mm-hmm. not in power anymore, um, but- well, no, Vivo still
0: has the limitation. They don't want more than like four to six continuous seconds of a logo shot.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, at least they yeah. let MTV was like, no logo. Yeah. No yeah. logo at all. The video would get rejected. So yeah, at least they do that. But yeah, I know there's, yeah, of course they still have some rules because then at that point, you know, I, I, and I get the rule because at that point, you're just making a commercial for a clothing company and then they're putting it up on their- platform you know basically almost for free since you're getting rev share off of it so yeah yeah so yeah
0: so do you think before we move on to like other things because there's lots of things that you've done in your career that are fantastic uh but with music videos do you think there's a best way that brands should be approaching music videos and to look at partnerships with them
1: yeah i mean i think they should they should target our they should start with a a list of artists that they specifically feel like they want their brand in front of, and then go from there. Find out what label they're on, and then um, and then go approach the label and be. And I think the most important thing for a brand is they have to be be pretty open um, to what the artist is going to want to do if they really want to be a part of it. So um, yeah, I think you know, I think you work that way. You know, like and just yeah, like find the type of music, the type of artists, the artists that you like. You know, wish list. Like these, are, this is the top wish list and then you know there's the amount of music artists out there now is like incredible like it's like massive so you know even if you can't get to that artist you want there's probably another similar artist that you necessarily might not know that the record label um you know um would would want your brand and 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 you know sometimes you know you focus on the big artists of course because that's what you, you figure that's the home run but for me i always look at things like don't always try to get the home run just try to maybe make some bases at, at the beginning, you know, even in, even as a director of, when I, of music videos, like it was like, you know, you get these artists that want to like, it's their first video. And, and they have this, these grandiose ideas. And like, even like the pop star artist, the, the, the young female, she like wants to like pretty much be naked in the video. And I always say, no, I'd be like, you know, you do that. What, what, what do you have left? You know, like, right. You've jumped the shark. Yeah. you if you're giving it all away in your first video, like, you know, don't look at it like this is going to be my first and last video. Look at it like I'm going to put this one out. It's going to lead to a lot more. But if I give it all away today, then what do you have tomorrow, you know? Yeah. yeah. So you got to, you know, look for a longer story, not just like try to, everyone tries to just make that home run. So I feel like brands try to do that too. They try to like, you know, we're going to put everything we got into this one artist video, you know, like maybe, maybe put a little bit into a few different artists. Like, you know, it's almost like maybe look at it like playing roulette.
0: Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. And then I think also with a lot of brands, you know, there's not a lot of control that you can have. You can ask for, you can make suggestions, mm-hmm. but this is so driven by the artist and the director and you have to make sure that it looks organic yeah. because if it looks staged, people are just going to re- revolt from the music video and then everyone gets negativity.
1: Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. And that's, and like we talked about on on the panel is the, and the difference is, is these videos now live online on Vivo YouTube and you not only do you you couldn't hear the person yelling at the TV in their house telling saying how bad they hate that commercial that plays over and over again now you can read in the comments how bad things are going with the brand you know you're talking about doing apps that's cutting to an app like like having to try to explain an app in a music video there's almost is almost impossible to be organic everyone in it because people have gotten so savvy too they're going to automatically know like why this app is being displayed and like now he's swiping over here and he's clicking here. And you know, like, yeah, it's like, it's just, uh, it's, just, and it's a director. Like when you get those treatments and like, this is, and this app, you know, they, the label has this money from the app and that you got to include this app. It's it's a, that's, that's a real puzzle piece. Cause then you got to think, you know, how do I do this and it not be cheesy because then it's, you know, I don't want my, I don't want to make a cheesy video. The artist doesn't want to make a cheesy video and the brand doesn't make a cheesy video, but how do we do it? You know?
0: Right. And it's a catch-22 because there's just not enough money from labels anymore to make music videos for artists.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's true. What happened was is, I mean, a lot of people don't realize this, so what happened was is the music video went from um, a 100% promotional piece. It was it was a commercial. It was came out of marketing budgets. That's where the money came from. Mm-hmm. It still sort of does in a sense, but... What happened was is when you know youtube and and then especially when vivo um now the music video is part of the business plan because they make money the artists make money on i can i can look at the view count and kind of guesstimate how much these they've made and go wow like like you know oh that was the budget and then this is what they made you know so um and what's funny is when that happens when it goes from marketing to part of the business the business revenue model is the, the idea is spend as little money as you can so you can make the most money. So instead of budgets going up, they went down, partly because the record labels lost a lot of money, but also because they needed to make money on these videos because they're not making money on the music as much anymore. So they got to like you know, 360 it, like touring, you know. So the music video is now part of that revenue stream for an artist. So, so yeah, so that's, you know, and so that's when, you know, like now, yeah, they need supplement, they need, if they can supplement it with some, you know, in-kind funds from a, from a brand and, you know, that money doesn't have to be paid back and they can still spit and they can make the video look better. Of course, they're going to try to do it, but it's always quite difficult.
0: Well, moving away from music videos, you ended up playing a massive role in really how a lot of influencers, especially with YouTube, uh, did brand deals? Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how you got involved in that whole world? That is now everyone looks at and is like, you're a, an influencer. This is a crazy business model.
1: Yeah. um Yes. Yeah, so that 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 was pretty crazy because that was that was right when music videos the budgets really went down. That's almost like right when I got into it um, as a director. That's they started really tanking, and I, you know, I. I'd spent eight years trying to get to, into this party, and I finally made it in the party. And I, I always tell people this: I'm like, I have made it in the party. I'd spent eight years outside, like you know, like looking at it, you know, seeing inside. Like I knew everybody inside. I they're all having a good time, and I'm like, I want to be in that party. I want in that party. And I feel like the you know, I made the leap. I became a director, and as soon as I did it, they were like, <laughs> party's over, everybody out. <laughs> the budget just they, I mean, they went down like ninety percent, like the average budget, and it was. You know it, it became something it wasn't what I signed up for and it was sort of like very difficult to wrap your head around like have, especially having write, written treatments for these directors for these you know like five hundred thousand dollar videos you know million dollar video six hundred fifty thousand dollar video and then trying to like wrap your head around like how do I write for a twenty thousand dollar video how do you do that you know and you can do it a few times I did it you know because I I had a lot of favors I could call in, but you can only call in favors for so long and then people won't do the favors anymore so um so, I, again, I was trying to think what else is out there. You know, I, I didn't really know what I would do. I was like, you know, this is what I moved out here for. This is what I want to do. I'm just going to keep doing it, but I don't know how long this is going to last. And I don't know what the future looks like but for, the, for this business. But, you know, companies were closing, you know, record labels, like the commissioners were getting laid, video commissioners getting laid off and their assistants getting hired. And like, it was just it was such a crazy time you know, you, you'd turn a treatment in and then they'd be like, Oh, that person's not even here anymore. So so so-and-so is going to look at it for the moment. You're like, I don't even know who that is. Like at least I knew the other person and they knew me. So I had a better chance. So anyways, I, I just kind of stumbled upon, um, it was actually a receptionist that I, the last company I worked on staff was was anonymous content and the receptionist there, Denise Cass, she had started uploading, um, just videos of herself talking to YouTube and we were Facebook friends and I obviously friends there from, um, from anonymous and, um, you know, I would I would see her post them and I would, you know, and I just didn't really understand what she was doing or why, but she's just doing it. Um and so one day she reached out to me and she was like, Hey, I'm gonna write this spoof music video for this um Akon and David Guetta song. Um it was called Sexy Bitch. And she's like, I'm gonna call I'm gonna call it bearded I think bearded bitch or bearded guy or something like that. I can't remember now. It's a while ago. Um, But um, she's like, yeah, and I have this friend. He's he's he he does a lot of stuff on YouTube, and he's got a big beard. So we're gonna he's gonna play the girl. Like he's gonna play the sexy. He's gonna be funny. So she's like, would you wanna um, would you wanna direct it? And I was you know I was. You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I wasn't doing anything. I was at home, like, writing treatments and trying to book music videos and, like, living off unemployment. So I was like, I'm like, sure. It was like, you know, like, on a Tuesday or something. She's like, yeah, here's the address in the valley. I just had to show up. And she's like, yeah, so there'll be, like, a guy there with a camera. You can just help, help us make it, you know. We'll, you'll be the director. I'm like, okay, that'll be, you know, whatever. I have nothing else to do. So I show up, and it's this kid's house, and, like, he's, like, maybe 18, and, and he, I, he owns the house. And his name's Shane Dawson, and uh, and she's like, yeah, his name's Shane. He does YouTube stuff. And she's like, oh, and this is um, Justine. Her name's I Justine on YouTube. She does video stuff. And this is Shay Carl. And then I recognize the one, the the, the guy who done the Obama video, like who played Obama. Right. So he was there. And I'm like, oh, I know who that guy. Is that why is he here? I'm like, oh, these are all big YouTube people. I'm like cool, whatever that means. I have no idea what that means, but like, awesome. <laughs> let's do this. So we did it and it was funny and they were all like very like socially awkward, but it was really fun. Like they're really cool. And they're fun. And they're so like, just like normal people, like, you know, and like, right. and, you know, and I'm just like, it was fun. So we did it. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, she was like, Oh, do you want to come by and see the edit? And I was like, sure. So I came by and I saw it and I was like, Oh, it came out pretty funny. Like it was, I mean, obviously super low-fi. I mean, right. no budget. like, you know, I'm like, Oh, I can't put this on my reel. Um, but it's funny, whatever. Yeah. She's like, do you want your name on it? I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Whatever Put my name on it. So about a few, few days later, I check on YouTube to see, you know, after they uploaded it. And it's, I think at the time it had like a, almost a million views when this is like 2011, when like videos didn't get that kind of views, you know, um, it wasn't, there wasn't that many people using YouTube. So I was like, Whoa, what's going on here? How is this working? So, I call her and I'm like, what's going on? Like, how do you, what are you doing? How are you getting views? Like, that's, everyone's trying to get views now. How do you get, how did you do this on this spoof? It's like, everyone in that's a huge YouTube star and they all pushed from their channels to this video. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm kind of interested. And I'm like, you know, what do you, what do these people do? Like, like Shay Carl, the guy with the beard, was the main guy. I'm like, I looked at his channel and it's like him and his four kids and he has a house in Venice that he's renting and like, all day long he's just making videos every day of himself, like 15 minutes long, him talking to the camera, like, hey guys, here I am at the store, I'm buying more diapers, because so-and-so, you know, ran out of diapers, and, you know, and I'm just like, wow, what is this, and how does it have 350,000 views in two days, and like, (laughs) so I asked her, I'm like, well, you know, how does he, what's he, how does he support his family, and she's like, oh, off YouTube, I'm like, what do you mean, she's like, he's making like $300,000 a year right now, and I'm like, wait, what, (laughs) you know, I'm like trying to, you know, live off unemployment, do a $20,000 music video, so I can make almost maybe two grand if I'm lucky, you know, and like, and this guy's making this kind of money with flip camera and a, an iMovie. And I was like, well, if you can't beat him, join him. So I, I, yeah, first I was definitely angry because I was definitely angry at these people. <laughs> but then I was like, again, I was like, if you can't beat him, join them. So I kind of like, you know, I was like, I want to meet all these people. I want to talk to them. I want to find out what this is going on here. And the more I looked and the more I looked and the more I just kept, you know, understanding and looking at what they were doing. I was like, oh, they're going to take over Hollywood. They're going to influence the zeitgeist because they have an audience and at the time people still had this manner of like oh you have to make this amazing wonderful gigantic content for people to watch it that's what everybody wants to watch they want to watch the biggest brightest piece of content they can watch you know like it needs to be all the all the you know uh, uh, bells and whistles everything but these guys are just doing nothing they're in their living room with a flip camera you know and like i was like okay you can say that you can say everything you want, but obviously the power of the people is speaking that this is the, this is who they want. This is what they want. And they want the realness. They don't want to, they don't want to be a fan. They want to be a friend. They want to feel like these people are their friends and they do, they feel like they know these people. They feel like if this person walked into like a restaurant, they could walk right up to them and say their name and they would know exactly who they are. So um, I was like, this is going to change everything. So I met, I met with like uh, Danny Zappin and Lisa Nova and, and you know and her brother Ben. They there was like about four or five of them and they were we were working out of this office in Venice and uh, you know, they brought me in and like I was sort of like the the Hollywood person because I was the only one that had like done anything. You know, I think Lisa Lisa had been on Mad TV for a couple of things, but like as far as like a director, a creator, like I was like the only person that had any kind of experience. They had some kids there with some cameras who were doing stuff and you know, and then it just it just we just kept building it. It just kept it grew so fast and it's one of those, I think we all have these moments in life where you don't realize when you're in it, what's happening until you, after it's over. And then you look back and go like, wow, that was insane. That was crazy. Like, I don't even know, I don't even know what happened. Like what happened? Like, that was insane. Like it just, you know, everything kept, you know, like growing, growing. The numbers were growing. Like they were signing more talent. Like I was bringing in talent, like people to sign. And like, it just kept growing and growing. And then we kept moving offices and moving into like, you know, in bigger offices, and you know, and then we, you know, big agents at CAA would email the the, our, the website and they'd be like, Do you know who this agent is? And I'd be like, Yeah, I know who that is. They'd be like, Should I respond? I'm like, No, don't respond. Like, let's just, let's keep it, let's keep it us, you know, let's right. keep it small. Let's just keep building the frenzy, keep building the frenzy. Cause everyone wanted to know, like, How are you doing this? How is this happening, you know? Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, a lot of people didn't care. Like, I would go out to Hollywood, you know, functions or parties and people were like, What are you up to? And I'd be like, Oh, I'm still directing music videos. But I also part of this company we started. It's called Maker Studios. And they're like, "What is that?" I'm like, "Oh, it's like YouTube. We have like YouTube celebrities and like, you know." And um, and and they'd be like, they'd write it off. They didn't care. They'd be like, "Oh, whatever." Like they didn't. It was you know they oh it's just guys with the flip cameras. You know they'd make talking to the camera. They didn't care. They didn't think it was anything. Um, but then you know with that, anytime you get an audience like that and, it, and then it's numbers, of course now brands are, brands want to get in front of every audience they can. If there's an audience, they want to get in front of it because that's what you want to do as a brand. So you know, I started sort of just testing the waters a little bit, like, um, I had a, I had a friend who worked at, uh, Andrea, who worked at Planet Hollywood, who I had met, and, uh, you know, she, I talked to her about what I was doing, and she had seen some of it, and she really, she got it, like, she was one of the first people that got it, she was like, wow, like, you know, and as a hotel in Las Vegas, like, if I can get these people to, like, do something, you know, for this hotel, like, this could be huge, so we we, it was like 2010, I think, maybe 11, something like that. We did a, um, we, we had this idea to do a flash mob in their casino and um, that was when flash mobs. Everyone was doing flash mobs, you know, it was like before it just got to the point where it's like, nobody wants to see any more flash mobs, but like it hadn't been too saturated yet. So um, we did this flash mob. I actually had these um, Grammy nominated uh, producers make a song in like three days about the hotel and um, we made it, we staged it to look like the hotel had nothing to do with it. And we did did a flash mob with like 10 of the biggest YouTube celebrities at the time. And then everyone we invited, we had like a hundred and something people in the middle of their casino, which is pretty taboo for, a, a you know, to do. So right. we made it look like they staged it and um, it, you know, it, it went nuts. Like it was, it was insane. Like at the time, like the hotel, like was for sale and it, Robert Earl who owned the hotel, like he actually, the value went up because the, the, like everyone wanted to go stay there It like, the song was called famous ph famous for planet hollywood and like the song became a hit we ended up shooting a music video for the song that the hotel paid for that ended up being on mtv it had chanel west coast um sang on the song right. the, the, the producers knew her and they had her come sing the hook and like it became its own thing it was crazy like um shay carl like who was one of the guys in the he was like the main guy we made look like he staged it he went, he, we, they gave us all sweets when he went there to shoot it. He went in his room with his flip camera and was like film the whole suite. and was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I've never seen a room like this before. And I think, I don't know, maybe to today, maybe it's gone now, but I know up until like a year or two ago, if you, if you Googled best hotel room in Vegas, his YouTube video was the first thing that came up.
0: Wow. It just had so many views that got pushed up.
1: Yeah. And so anytime anyone around the world was going to Las Vegas and Googled best hotel room in Las Vegas, that room came up, his video, which was like, I mean, you could, as a a business, as a brand, like, you
0: can't buy that, you
1: can't buy that, and it's, it was totally organic, and I'll never forget, this is, like, I think one of the craziest things ever, that sort of made it all very surreal, was I'll never forget, I, I would go to the hotel a lot afterwards, because they came, I could go whenever I want, stay for free, so I went, I was there one weekend, like, like, I think it was, like, three or four months later, and I got in the hotel, I mean, I got in the elevator, and these two British guys were talking about, um, that video the best hotel room in vegas they're like we got it we got the best hotel room in vegas And they're like high-fiving and they're like and they like pulled up the video on their phone in the in the elevator and i was like i thought i was being like pumped i was like is this real like this is real like and they're like we're gonna do let's do let's do the flash mob in the casino and i was like wow that's when it really like all kind of came together like there's really these guys have a lot of power and there's an audience and and for there's a lot of brands and power um are going to want to get in front of it and then it went from there to like you know we started getting all kinds of brands and then i i did that the video for cosmo magazine which we actually shot at planet hollywood um same thing they want it's so funny how brands want to do exactly what another brand did
0: right because and, it was successful yeah. right yeah. and they can't yeah. think outside that box necessarily yeah, they were like,
1: let's and they were literally were like they were like let's do a flash mob in planet hollywood but for cosmo magazine and Nivea. and i was like okay i think we need to do something a little different so i was able to sell them on an idea of like Kind of like this, like growing music video, like kind of like that kind of just organically came into a flash mob, but not like way more, not as, not as state, not as like staging it to be fake. Yeah. This was actually going to be fake. We're going to make it fake and on purpose. So we did that and that, that, that took number one on ad age. And then it was from there on out, it was just like, it was not, it was gangbusters. It was like, I think every agency like took notice and they didn't know who that was. They were like, Maker Studios. What is Maker Studios? And how did they just beat, you know, this ad that we spent, two million dollars on that has snoop and a lightsaber and a toyota you know or whatever it was like you know P- pepsi or you know, how did they get the views and then it just was like is the phones went, went off the hook you know time Warner invested and it just like it just then it was just it was on and i feel like that's the moment the whole zeitgeist changed of like because once the money starts pointing your way now everyone wants to know why the money especially in hollywood every, anytime yeah. money points your way they want to know why that money's pointing your way you know
0: and so. they want it Yes, everyone oh,
1: wants to yeah. jump on. Oh, yeah, no, I got all kinds of offers. Like when Maker sold to Disney, I like, I was no longer a part of Maker. I had left, um, but uh, I, I mean, I woke up to like all kinds of offers of like, can you go out to dinner with this celebrity and tell them how this works? I had Oprah Winfrey's right-hand guy reach out and like want to know about like what this was and how it worked and stuff like that. through Not just through somebody else that knew him or whatever. And it was, I, I got paid to consult them and stuff because it was like, you know, yeah. that everybody, people ignored it. And then when it happened, they were like, I want in.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, because I mean, I've done this myself. Like I have sat there and stared for hours at like one YouTube channel for one influencer mm-hmm. and just tried to wrap my head around what makes this guy magic, mm-hmm. right? Because it it is magic, but it's not tangible. You can't figure it out. It's just something and not everyone has it
1: yeah that's that's the funny part is when i would when you tell everybody like oh and i this is i knew this was going to happen i didn't have as bad as i thought but i'm like a ton no one knew these people were making this kind of money so i was Mm -hmm. like when this when the i envisioned the world i envisioned you couldn't walk down any sidewalk in america without someone talking to themselves because everyone's going to be like you can make a half a million dollars a year yeah on youtube i'm in you know and i'm going to record myself but yeah a it isn't that easy because you it does take a lot of work and you have to it's quantity over quality and you have to just push 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 it's not going to happen overnight and it might not happen at all because like you just said like some people it's just it's just magic like people just for whatever reason gravitate towards them you know like there's those these these guys that do these eating videos you know where they'll just eat tons yeah. and tons of food and it's like who would ever thought of that you know like that that would be think or like asm was it asmr where like people just want to listen to people like Chewing right.
0: chewing because it's soothing and yeah, it triggers yeah.
1: different things psychologically for you. Or yeah. if you would have told Disney and Nickelodeon like 15 years ago like stop spending all this money on these big shows like just have kids open boxes of toys and talk about them yeah. and every kid will want to watch that. They would have laughed you out of the building and told you to leave but like that's you know so. Yeah, and they're was, making millions dollars doing yeah. that. Oh yeah no I've, I, I've hired some of these kids for campaigns and like to help push stuff and I'm like oh yeah the money they're making. You know, I'm I'm curious how this all plays out as they get older, and because it's a strange, this is a strange world that we're living in that hasn't played the story yet. We haven't had the kid who grew up on YouTube turning, you know, 21 yet. So
0: um, now the Kardashians are really kind of the most like this, I think, because they have been most under the limelight, and it's going to be really interesting to see because obviously, you know, it's the Kardashians, but there's so much of their elements of what they've done with social that that you're seeing. It's a whole new level of I'm going to say the word royalty but it's just it's escalated people into these fiefdoms and kingdoms that are not something that we've ever experienced before Mm
1: -mm, mm -mm, you're right yeah yeah um Mm -hmm. yeah no it's in and then you know you tie that in again like brands like they always want to be in front of the biggest audience and so that you know these are the people like the Kardashians like you know their brand deals are incredible obviously like I mean they don't even I mean I think the Jenner girls like they barely do any because they don't have to because the ones they do are so lucrative, you know? So it's like, they don't need to be pitching things left and right. So.
0: Well, they've realized also that they don't need to be pitching anything anymore. They just need to pitch their own. Yeah. Oh yeah. Way more valuable to pitch your own thing and make money
1: from it. Why why pitch another, why pitch L'Oreal when you can make your own lipstick money off it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's a trend I think we're going to see more and more with these influencers who are all coming in and figuring out how they can actually be entrepreneurs and, now they can be the face of the campaign, the marketing behind the campaign, the brains of the campaign and be completely self-sustained.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, and the self sustain thing is, is pretty phenomenal as well. Like I've had, you know, some people at some pretty big, like networks and platforms reach out to me and say, Hey, you know, we want to hire these YouTube people to host shows for us, you know, and, the, and then they'll send me a list of who they want and like, like, do you know them or can you help us like, you know, get to them and speak your language and could you maybe help facilitate and like you know be, be a part of making this work and I'm like they're not going to do it and they're like of course they're going to do it we're so and so and I'm like they don't care <laughs> like what are you going to offer them money they have it an audience they have it it's not like hiring an actor they don't need the role they don't need it they, they got like, exactly what you said like they're self-sustained like they don't need your money and they don't need you to put them in front of anyone because they don't they're, they're getting it already so
0: yeah oh. With that said, you said something a little bit ago that I think is going to be interesting to see how it continues to play out. You have like Lionsgate, right? And you have some studios who are actually creating content specifically starring the influencer, where the whole model now, it's not, oh, I need an A-list or a B-list. It's I need an influence so they can be my marketing machine, which is a really interesting thing to actually see as a phenomenon.
1: It is interesting, and quite difficult. I don't necessarily think anyone's, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm forgetting some things, but it's, it's, I don't think it's, it's, all, it's never that easy. You just can't hire someone, you know, and put them in your film and they're going to have them act. Yeah. Have them act. Yeah. Um, you know, same thing sort of with the YouTube spaces, like, you know, like that, you know, any, any YouTube person with over, I think with the time it was like, I don't know what it is now, but it was like 15,000 subscribers can use the, like the map can sign up and use the massive soundstage. Like, yeah, why <laughs> they don't know why or how they they yeah. they make videos in their bedroom they don't need that stage so right. it's like you know I've seen videos they've tried to make on there and they're horrible because it's like that's not what they do you know they don't need to do that so yeah the, the hiring the influencer thing in your movies and in your you know for this like there's got to be a strategy to it like I spent a lot of years and in, in especially when we started maker like you know having success and failure and like and and like learning like okay yeah it's there's there's certain things you have. And for me, everything starts in the creative, you know, like if you're just going to cast an influencer into a role that already exists, like your chances are low. If you're going to actually craft something that has some creativity built into it, that builds around what they do and who they are perhaps, then yeah. Um, And have a specific plan already in place, a creative like plan of marketing, literally before you start shooting, whatever you're shooting, like you stand a better chance than just you know, I, I've gotten calls like, you know, people like, "Hey, I got, put this video on YouTube. Can you um, how, can can you help me get some views on it?" And I'm like, "No, like you already did it. Like, it's up. You know, like I don't. There's no magic wand. You know, you could buy them and fake it, but if you know, you you can't just you can't just put something up and then expect someone to like get views on it. Yeah. You know, like so. Um, so yeah. So it's um, the, you know, I, I think the, the influencer thing it's going to level out a bit because I feel like there's a lot of there's been a lot of failure with it. it well, a lot of A lot of success, not reach that they thought they were going to reach with it. Um, You know, so, you know, for me, like our strategy at Maker, we had a strategy and it worked every single time. And I just, I still see to this day, like when they do cast influencers in movies and when they do cast them in commercials and stuff, I'm like, oh, they're not implementing a strategy like that. And that's why it's not going to work. But, um, you know, and yeah so kind of i
0: think a lot of these influencers are used to playing their own self they've developed their own personas and so when they're being cast in these roles which would be a traditional actor's role yeah they're not really up to that challenge because that's not what they're trained to do yeah well it might be fun it's not so much fun to watch
1: you know what was a great one i can't remember his name but it was the um uh, the netflix series um I can't remember. Really, I'm probably gonna, it's about the kid who draw drew, the the, mess, the mockumentary about drawing dicks on things at the school. Okay, I'm not sure. Um, oh man, I'm just, it was great. It was on Netflix. It's like it's a mockumentary. It's about um, it's about it's like an investigation of like this high school. Someone went out and drew um, penises on all the teachers' cars, and so it's like the students like trying they're trying to figure out who it is. But the main kid they blame, he's a YouTube star. And he was great. And uh, the reason I thought he was great was he basically was doing not too dissimilar from what he does on YouTube. So, American, is it, I'm Googling, American Vandal? American Vandal, yeah. Yep. yeah. There, was, yeah. there you go. Yeah, it was It was really, really well done. And that was a bit, to me, that was a successful use of, cause everyone was like, oh, that's so-and-so from YouTube. And like, you know, and again, it was just like, it was the perfect role for him. Right. And, and it was a mockumentary and it was sort of what he does on his channel. So it all sort of like, blended quite well and and that was I think that was successful the second season but that's
0: kind of like a jackass right that's kind of like that type of content which parlays really well over to what this influencer probably was in his real life and then now you have it on like mtv style like punks in your face jackass whatever it might be
1: yeah yeah it was it was it was it was a scripted like thing it was very um yeah it was it still fit with his like his brand and what he did on youtube so Yeah. And he was great. He was, his acting was great. And and I think that was a, that was a success, but yeah, Yeah. you could tell they didn't just like felt like they didn't, maybe I don't know, but it felt like they didn't just plug him in. It felt like, like maybe he was, they wrote it and then thought of him and then sort of tailored it more towards him. So, um, yeah. So
0: right now, obviously brands are, yeah, they're changing their whole love of influencers to some degree where it used to be, Oh, I must be with the biggest influence to make the biggest bang. And they're kind of dialing it back and now looking for higher engagement and understanding that being with the biggest means spending a whole lot of money to not necessarily actually hit the niche audience that you're trying to go after. Mm -hmm. What do you think are, you know, what's the future of influencer marketing and brand partnerships? Where do you think it's going to
1: go? I think it's exactly what you said. I think, there's more power and hiring, you know, I mean, you could go down to like a level of like, you know, people that only have like 3000 followers. And if you paid, you know, if you paid a hundred, you pay, you paid a thousand of them, you know, some money you could possibly have more effect than if you could, if you went to like that, you know, 3 million followed influencer. Cause to me, you know, the more an influencer or, you know, or even a celebrity, whoever pitches products. I feel like the more they pitch, the less um, their value should be.
0: Right. Cause it's, n- it's become like a lack of authenticity, a lack of organicness. It's, it's yeah. becoming, you're just a
1: shellman, basically. It's diluted. Yeah. You're like, here's this, yeah. here's this, here's this. Yeah. you're constantly pitching things. So mm-hmm. when I, when I put together campaigns, I always try to find, oh, okay yeah, that person's great. Can we find someone else that hasn't recently pitched 10 different things, you know, yeah. because you i think brands they just get excited they're like oh we got so and so they have 20 million followers you know it's going to be a home run but when you start everything's a numbers game right everything in this world is a numbers game so when you break down the numbers of like yeah they have 20 million followers how much what's the percentage of those followers that are actually going to see it then what are the actual percentage of those followers that are actually going to resonate with the product from then what's the percentage that's going to actually buy it you know and 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 if you have someone that's pitching a bunch of stuff, it's going to be less and less and less because they're going to be like, this person's constantly pitching things. Scroll in the past, scroll in the past. Okay. I'm subscribed, I'm following, but I don't even really care anymore because I'm sick of them pitching me stuff. I'm moved on. So, um, so yeah, I think there's a. I think it's going to become more, like, like more distributed, like not just the big ones because that doesn't necessarily always work. And then I also think it's going to become more like almost like casting a movie in a sense, like you're gonna to wanna to spend a little time and thought into it, like, you know, the same way, like you would cast like a, you know, a big feature, you'd wanna like get the, t- you know, the 10 headshots in front of you and right. go, you know, let's see what if, you know, and sort of like figure this out, um, you know, cause the, you know, rushing into it, like, and like, I think we talked about this on the panel too, the automated thing never works. Like, you know, here we'll put this site up and then influencers can like, you know, pick what they want to do and then read what they want to read and then, and then pitch the product. Like to me, that never works. Like, I think we talked about it again. Like you got to have the middleman, you got to have the person that's going to speak both the languages. That's I've done a lot of that too, where I've been hired to, you know, be the middleman. Like, okay, here's what the brand wants to do. Here's what the employer wants to do. Like, how do we, how do we figure this out and make it work? So. Because it's um, still
0: a very in-person relationship and you're, you're not just saying here's the five bullets, go out and do it. it it's, it's a conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the one thing people remember, these self-made quote-unquote influencer people, the reason people like them is because they know that that person just did it themselves. And they like that fact. They like that the person is like, it could be them. You know, it could, that's a lot of them. Girls who look up to Instagram models, they, that's, you look at them, they emulate it because they're like, I can, you know, post a pretty picture myself and, and steal a quote from somewhere. And maybe, you know, like, maybe it can happen for me. You know, this, they don't necessarily think of these people as, you know, once they reach a certain level, of course, and it's like, Oh my God, they're so cool celebrity. But for the most part, they still have this mentality of like, you know, this, that they could be my neighbor and maybe, right. maybe it is my neighbor. You know? <laughs> yeah. So but, it's like, yeah.
0: Yeah. But the brand sitting here and asking these influencers to be the director the producer, the writer, the actor, the editor, the stylist, the, I mean, just add in everything that's all of those elements um, to it. And that's all part of what's going on here, as well as the overall visionary, because the brand can't be the visionary for this or it won't impact the
1: audience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It has to, has to be authentic to the, to the influencer and to their, to their content. you can't hire someone that does like horror horror type content to pitch something that you want to be like you know fluffy and 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 rainbows or whatever i mean you could you just gotta be really creative with it yeah you you
0: throw in the cats and dogs they're not going to be like pretty cats and dogs in that scene
1: yeah no (laughs) i'll never forget one time you it was a snickers thing and one of the maker talent they wanted to like i think they wanted to run it over with their car and stuff and we were just like no, I don't think that's going to work, but they, they were all, they, they weren't trying to be rude or anything. That's, they were just seriously excited about it. They're like, yeah, oh, we'll throw it out the window and then I'll drive it in my car and then I'll go and eat it off the ground. I'm like, mm, I don't think that's what the brand's going to want. Um, you know, so yeah, you know, that's the thing. It's you're speaking two different languages. So yeah, you need a translator.
0: Yep. And that's what we all do. That's yep. what makes it all work so that deals actually go through and look good. Yep. Yeah. Well, I know we're running out of time. Are there any last parting words of advice to our listeners that you would like to share today?
1: Um, on the subject of?
0: Brands, influencers, music, creativity, anything you yeah.
1: like. Okay. Well, yeah, on that thing, I would go back to something I said earlier, which is um, that, you know, um, t- I think everything starts in the creative. Like you can't come in at, you know, the production point or, you know, post-production point and plug things in. Like if you're going to do it and you want to do it, you might as well start at the very beginning and give yourself, build these. I mean, I do this almost in everything I do now, even all the projects I direct. Like I always think what's inside of this project that I can know that I can count on for at least this much, you know, this many people are going to watch it. What's in this, what's the audience for this? What's the audience for this? Like so that it's built already in so that you, once the product or the content or, movie music video whatever is out you could tap that audience like it's because you know say it was i don't know yeah like exotic cars let's just use that like so like okay if i put an exotic car i know there's an exotic car audience out there so we can put this video out or whatever it is and then we can go on like facebook um someone could go on a facebook exotic car groups and say hey check this out here's a video with this super exotic car you know Mm -hmm. like things like that like but you know so i think every for me not everything always begins in the creative. Like you have to start in that process. So that would be any advice I would give.
0: Well, that is excellent advice. So if our listeners want to be able to reach out to you, how can they best find you besides the information that we will put in our show notes? Can you share that with us?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I'm everywhere, right? I'm yeah. Everywhere else. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, Um. on Facebook. They can, yeah, reach my yeah. website. You yeah. can reach out to everything. And
0: you guys produce commercial content at Oleo.
1: Oh, yeah, Oleo, yeah. Um, we, uh, we actually we don't produce it. We um, post-production. So. Post-production,
0: yes. Yeah,
1: mainly just Marshall as uh, a color artist right now. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of the creative director of the company. I'm um, helping with the marketing and the advertising okay. and just, um, you know, again, trying to take a different approach to how that model works. So um, we're, we call ourselves, we're not a post-house, we're a post-home very
0: nice yeah yeah. well justin i cannot thank you enough for being on today and sharing everything and all of your stories you have led and are still leading a fascinating life
1: can i I plug one thing you can my uh, feature documentary and if i see is playing its la premiere june 18th at um the cinemark in um at the Howard Hughes Center at the Silicon Beach uh, Festival. So I would love for people to come out because that's something else. I had brand money for that, some in-kind money. And um, it's another project that I had full creative control over and I built things into it that I knew um, we can use to market, so.
0: Yeah, and that was actually interesting because, Justin, you know, I, we didn't even touch on this. It, you did something that's not so easy. You got brands to support a documentary. Mm-hmm. And so do you want to share a little bit more about your documentary and what's it about?
1: Sure. Um, it's on a pair of identical twins, um, and it's kind of their story of their competitiveness between each other um, and sibling rivalry. Because they also happen to be two of the most iconic professional surfers in the sport. Um, I knew them since childhood. Um, and um, they just had a fascinating life of just trying to compete, trying to each establish their own identity, but on a world stage where everyone a judged for it. Um, so you know, it's the, the the friction drove their career, but then ripped their personal life apart. So um, it's a story we tell. Daniel Tosh of Tosh. narrates as an unreliable narrator. Again, something told, people told me I couldn't do. They're like, you can't have an unreliable narrator in a documentary. But I was like, I'm going to try it, and I did it, and it seems to work. People like it.
0: He's, he's
1: so an, what's that mean like what is an unreliable so an unreliable narrator has been a part of literature forever it's um like mark twain did it um yeah. force Bump was an unreliable narrator and in, in, in the movie where he taught you know he says things that aren't necessarily the truth he tells a story in a manner that is more creative than like here are the facts you know like yeah. here's where they were born here's what we he did you know he, he takes license to it so you know in this in my movie daniel tosh he you know he since the movie's about their identity he'll mix them up on screen and then like you know, converse with them, and then, you know, he brings, I, I wanted him to be a character in the film as well, so he brings himself into the character, into the film, it's not just him, like, you know, it's just a voice in the sky, so, um, so yeah, so that's, that's, I guess, if I wanted to pitch something, that's what I would pitch, so, yeah.
0: That is great, well, I am looking forward to watching it, it sounds okay. thank you come. quite interesting. you, can come
1: out, it's not far from where you live.
0: Okay, sounds <laughs> good, sounds good, we'll chat more about that. Okay. So, all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them today. I will chat with you on our next
1: podcast. Thank you.